2: This is the Busted Open Podcast.
1: You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156.
2: Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself and Tommy Dreamer talk about Cody Rhodes, your Royal Rumble winner, and now his path to Wrestlemania also we get into Rhea Ripley choosing Charlotte Flair and that Smackdown Women's Championship for Wrestlemania 39 also we speak to the legendary Nikita Koloff right now on the Busted Open Podcast Tommy I want to talk a little bit about the journey that Cody talked about in his promo last night on Monday Night Raw. Not a great deal, but kind of just glossed over it. But I want to dive in just a little bit deeper, Tommy. And I don't want to go back to OVW, but I just want to talk about him on the main roster, especially near the end. And, you know, he talked about dashing Cody Rhodes, and he talked about the Stardust character. Um, And listen... I never understood the Stardust character. I think Cody tried as hard as he could to get that character over. Once Dusty passed and Cody came back and still was the Stardust character, I think there was a complete disconnect there because I really think that if Cody would have just been Cody Rhodes, he would have been one of your bigger baby babyfaces um, because of how much people love Dusty and Dusty just passing, but they continued to push that Stardust character, and then when he was Intercontinental Champion, that match that he had at WrestleMania that wasn't really much of a match at all, would it be fair to say, before Cody left the WWE, that he was a lower mid-carder at that time when he left WWE?
3: Mid-card, yes.
2: Yeah. And I don't think the potential was there that they were ever going to use him the correct way. Like, I feel like there were so many different character changes to, you know, dashing Cody Rhodes. And then when he was wearing the mask to protect his face and then the Stardust character, like there was a, you know, part of legacy with Randy Orton. Like, there was a lot of different characters in a very short period of time for Cody. So I just don't know if they were ever going to use Cody, not nearly the way that they're using him right now.
3: No Um, The biggest the greatest thing that he did Was leave And get over in other places And you know he did Ring of Honor New Japan He he created the thing online With the checking off all these things that he wanted to do um, Now that he wasn't under the WWE Mm. uh, Contract And then you know when AEW hit If you got to remember He you know was kind of the face of AEW he, you know, was a EVP. He branded himself as that. Uh, you heard it on commentary all the time. He tried, you know, he was making himself the face of that brand. He also delivered. Uh, every time he went out there in the ring and on his promos, he had some great matches. And like I said, he was a proven draw. If he did not leave or, you know, he would eventually just been let go and then been forced to, you know, Kind of rebuild himself then Which is harder but he Let himself go and Again built bet on himself Proved That he was worth More than he was first perceived And changing that perception Within the WWE is Is hard to do while you're still There and then I also Think it it has a lot to do like When a player leaves a team And And you know becomes a superstar somewhere else uh Justin Turner of the Mets he was you know uh, he was one of my favorite players on the Mets i was like how do you not resign him and you could have had him for cheap they didn't deem him to have much value and then he went on to have an insane career in LA get a ring uh get a lot of money and then at the end when his contracts up the Mets were like, man, we should re-sign this guy and he went somewhere else. I believe he went to Boston, but it's just like he was one of those guys where outside of this he worked as hard and then just did well outside the system to the point of man, he, I mean, all-star, all that stuff, same with Cody.
2: I don't even I I don't even know if there's any other person that you could bring up that was part of the WWE mach- machine left Reinvented himself as much as Cody did outside of the WWE, and then come back and now be, you know, a main event superstar at a WrestleMania. Think about it, Tommy. And I remember having these conversations, um, with people within the foundation of our show, former hosts, that were like, "Cody's not going to make it. Like he's a WWE guy. He is going to be eaten up and spit out on the independent circuit." He proved everybody wrong, independent, uh, like you said, ring of honor, impact, um, and then New Japan, which is the ultimate organization for people. I mean, he went everywhere. Remember, he had that bucket list of people he wanted to face, you know, now that he was outside of the WWE. And then really, you know, Tommy, to me, the face of AEW, when AEW first started, The guy that was, to me, the face of the company was Cody Rhodes. You know, when that first, before Dynamite even started, that first pay-per-view out in Vegas, that first double or nothing, when he took the sledgehammer to the throne, that was like, when I look back at AEW, that's the moment where it's like, all right, this is a direct shot to the WWE, and now there's actually competition to the WWE and to and for me that was all about Cody he was the perfect foundation for the company at that time
3: Well if you if you really go back to changing points and a lot of uh for Cody it's these points in your life timeline the bet the bet about filling a 10,000 seat arena that From was Meltzer. big yeah and he was that main event I know the match didn't happen last, but he was that main event. And I was there live. I was I was holding his dog. And it was a great moment for Cody. And it's like, wait, you just drew 10,000 people. And what we're seeing, and that's why I say when the WWE machine is behind you, how many people can you draw when this machine is behind you? Because then, because there was no TV, there was no AEW at this point. And we're talking, what, four years ago? 2018 so that's five years because now I know how to do math um (laughs) but that was the first and then aew uh i believe the first match on aew television was cody rhodes um so and it did a good rating and cody did good ratings and cody was in main events and cody showed like hmm i can do this on my own And he is. And then again, when he comes back, that WrestleMania pop was next level. He has a great match with Seth Rollins. He has that trilogy with Seth Rollins, the tearing of the pack. That will be that video of him pulling off his robe will be like within the WWE history, like Jimmy Snuka diving off um, the steel cage, Hulk Hogan slamming. Andre, the giant, these are going to be that's a moment for Cody that will live forever. And and it really did make him in the eyes of the WWE universe, because how do you ever forget that performance? And yes, he goes away. He comes back and what is he doing the first day he comes back? He wins the Royal Rumble. Me personally, I would have put him in later, not 30, but he earned it. And it was a great, great Royal Rumble. And his promos and his work will continue. I mean, the match he had last night was friggin' phenomenal with Finn Balor. And then, you know, that three crossroads and how smooth he was. I've wrestled Cody. I mean, Co- Cody is Cody's great in the ring.
2: He's tremendous in the ring. And I think here's a very, very short list of people, obviously Cody being one, that left, came back, and has a bigger perception about themselves. Like, Drew McIntyre is one, obviously, but Drew McIntyre was released. Drew McIntyre was let go. And then, on his own, he reinvented himself to the point where NXT wanted him back, was a part of NXT, and then, you know, obviously, wins the Rumble, you know, wins the WWE Championship at WrestleMania, though that's kind of clouded because of everything that happened. But there's a very, very short list of wrestlers that have been able to do what Cody Rhodes did. As a matter of fact, I don't think there's anybody that you could bring up that has been able to do what Cody Rhodes did. Here's somebody that was never going to get past mid-card in the WWE. just wasn't going to happen. And then he bets on himself, but also really is one of the – you talk about pillars. One of the pillars, one of the founding fathers of AEW, which – fills out arenas across the country on a regular basis. But Tommy, people forget that wasn't happening 6, 7, 10, 15 years ago. You have to go back to WCW before you saw that happening. Cody's a big reason why. You know, again, Ring of Honor and New Japan sold out Madison Square Garden. Even though Cody wasn't with Ring of Honor and New Japan at that time, he was one of the reasons they sold out that building. Because yep. he was when tickets went on sale. Like, I, I don't know if there's very few people that you can compare to a Cody Rhodes. Now, I know there's a lot of people probably listening right now. It says, you know, LeGrec is kissing Cody's ass and he's chasing Hugg, all that shit. But is there anything I'm saying, Tommy, that's not true when it comes to Cody Rhodes?
3: No. um, Like I said, Cody was the man. That big MSG Ring of Honor thing that was sold heavy on the Bucks and Cody. And they were not at that show It still was like sold out Still was a great show But that was like started the decline of Ring of Honor um, Because of all they they took such a massive hit And then COVID hit And unfortunately Ring of Honor, you know, went away uh, Until it was, you know, bought out The, for Cody, man It's, you said it he was a proven draw drew McIntyre was a proven draw uh you know he went to progress he worked every indie um went to impact wrestling um I would the other person I would kind of say but he was Brock Lesnar when Brock left though it was different um but he went the the new Japan route he went the you know he never went and did indies but he went like hey I'm this big draw and I'm going to be a big draw elsewhere. And then WWE brought him back, Bobby Lashley, another one, but when the biggest reason is both Drew and Cody, I mean, Drew was supposed to be the man. And he became I'm talking mid-card people and then they come back to be main eventers. That is a key cog to this story where they like they had hopes for you And eh, not so much. If you think about Cody to be like with Randy Orton uh, and all that stuff, because then they were kind of grooming somebody in there to be like how Randy Orton was when he was put in evolution. You know, you had your established stars and then you had the two other guys, uh, Batista and Randy both worked out well, tried to did that with, you know, DiBiase and Cody didn't work out so much uh, for them. So, you know, Drew and Cody were probably the two, for like you were mid card and that was it you went out there and drew um so that's kind of where you're you're looking at it and then the best is going forward you also have that story like i mean i'm booking now after a heel drew mcintyre like dude we took the same or you followed my path that's for after if you're going to pull the switch and take the title off of Roman, which I don't know if you're going to do that either.
2: And don't forget when Drew first came to WWE, he was the chosen one. He was Vince McMahon's chosen one. And I guess he just didn't fill those expectations, but obviously coming back, it's been a completely different story. It's an interesting question. It's an interesting question for the nation. Is there anybody that was able to, to really go the route that Cody did betting on themselves Kind of forcing the WWE's hand. And then coming back with his theme, he even mentioned it last night. This theme that I used outside I of WWE, it. it's mine and it's going to go wherever I go. The American Nightmare wasn't created by the WWE, but the WWE's using it. There's very few wrestlers that have been able to plan out that blueprint like Cody Rhodes and use it as effectively as Cody has. I'm going to throw that question out to the nation. Also, what do you think of Cody now that he's back to me? There's no doubt he's the face of Monday Night Raw. And I think when it's all said and done, Tommy, after WrestleMania, he's going to be the face of the WWE. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's
1: a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh- NFL fans, right now on the SXM app, hear in-depth coverage of your team with the Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. It's all the analysis, all the breakdowns that matter to you, hosted by the players who play for your team, and the fans who eat, sleep, and breathe it. 32 diehard fan bases, 32 podcasts. The Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. B-L-E-A-V. Search Believe in, followed by your team, on the SXM app, Pandora, Stitcher,
2: or wherever you get your podcasts. Were you surprised, Tommy, that on Monday Night Raw that Rhea Ripley chose Charlotte Flair to be her the, the championship she's going after at WrestleMania?
3: I really, really enjoyed her promo. I uh, thought it was great. Thought she had an amazing performance. Uh, also, so did uh, Liv. Thought she uh, did great as well. If there was ever I wanted someone to steal something from one Thomas Dreamer and say, I'm hardcore, I'll take them both. I thought uh, it could have been Rhea for she wants to prove that she's the best. And, you know. But I don't think you're allowed to declare that you want to face both champions. Um, So. What we had was a fabulous promo, and again, real. You and I discussed it. For a while, they dropped the ball with Rhea Ripley. Um, And when she lost in her match to Charlotte, acknowledging that loss and putting over Charlotte helps build this match. And I thought her promo was excellent and made me want to see the rematch because it's also, hey, you may have beaten me, but I'm a much different person now. And, you know, that last line that she hit or, you know, Charlotte, hey, this is me now and I'm coming after you. Phenomenal. And they will main event WrestleMania and they will have a killer match because, if you, like I said, you saw in her performance how great her performance was in the Royal Rumble. I'm expecting even more of that in – you know, WrestleMania, uh, I loved her promo love the match that we're going to see it again. And, and again, it's going to be different because it's going to main event WrestleMania. And when you're main eventing WrestleMania, you're going to give something that I always say give wrestlers this that are talented, and they will be able to tell that story, give them time. And they will have that time. I mean, Royal Rumble was friggin' five hours long. It was actually longer than that. But the actual broadcast was five hours.
2: Well, think of it this way, Tommy. You couldn't get a better performance than what Rhea Ripley did at the Royal Rumble. Like, to go from number one and to win it all, you couldn't get any better than that. And though I wouldn't have mind seeing her go up against Bianca Belair because, man, they really need to save Bianca Belair right now. Because, again, I did not like the fact that she was in a story with Alexa Bliss or a match with Alexa Bliss. And obviously, that was a bit of a flop on Saturday night. Um, Charlotte is the right choice f- for Rhea because like you said unfinished business if she would have picked Bianca I had the tweet ready I would have I tweeted out Rhea fears Charlotte because if she would have picked Bianca it would have been a complete disconnect for me because she had the opportunity at Wrestlemania and she lost so she needs to have this match this match is I think what everybody wants to say. If you want to be the best, you got to beat the best.
3: I agree. And I, I thought her promo delivered. And I thought her promo beyond delivered. And again, doing it without what I loved about raw was our two biggest matches. And we got that mission statement right afterwards. I'm yeah. your winner. And this is what I'm going to do. We had one in the, the beginning of the show. And then, the next at the nine o'clock hour. We waited for that. We waited for these announcements. Why? Because now I want to know what my main events are established for WrestleMania, a two-night spectacular. Now, and when I say about Royal Rumble, where to be chosen to be in that, now you have two nights to say, where do I fit in storyline-wise to get to a WrestleMania match? And you, like I said, you have eight TVs to do it. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. We have how they're bouncing back uh, and forth is masterful booking, like a great tennis match because we got people on Raw and we got people on SmackDown. And this was a really, really solid Raw for the simple fact of, sure, I wanted to hear from Sammy. Sure, I wanted to hear from uh, Jay. There's so many different levels to where we're going to go For where we're going to get there and then A phenomenal phenomenal job doesn't Get enough credit as a GM or whatever His role is um, Adam Pierce The promo to establish And give it Validity For the women's match And the women's chamber Why they're going to be competing in it And all this stuff and then hey by the Way I mean there was a lot to promote in that One spot yeah what you're going to also then, this is what you're going to see at Elimination Chamber and hey, there's two more pods and how are you going to get in there? We're going to have qualifying matches and hey, we're going to have this, this and this. It's a lot to get out there, but then it makes me want to watch uh SmackDown. It also makes me want to watch Elimination Chamber. It also makes me want to watch um Monday Night Raw. What's the matter, Dave? You didn't get your tickets.
2: No, I didn't I forgot about it. I was so involved in the conversation. I forgot I forgot about it, which is for the best because Why are you looking at me like that? Of course I forgot because about we it.
3: told you to do it at the
2: I know, break. but you know, I'm so caught up in the conversation. You know I can't do two things at once, and this is the most important thing that there is is talking to you in the busted open nation. So those tickets are gonna have to wait till after the show. But Tommy, you're a hundred percent right in everything that you just said about the build up and about what we saw on Raw. And think of it this way Rhea Ripley, Tommy, you know, imagine like you're young, you're a part of NXT. You know, because then she wasn't on the main roster. She was with NXT when Charlotte picked the NXT championship in Rhea Ripley. And then, man, I'm going to have this WrestleMania match against Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania 36 in Tampa. You know, at the Bucks Stadium. Remember, they t- they filmed all that footage of... of you know, of Rhea walking the football stadium, looking out over to what's going to be like a sold out crowd at WrestleMania. What a moment for her. You know, this WrestleMania moment, this is going to be absolutely amazing. And then COVID hits, there's the lockdown, and then her match with Charlotte is the opening match of the first night of WrestleMania in front of no fans. And then Charlotte said, you know, in our interview that you can get on the SXM app or the Busted Open podcast that 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 match was put together like in 90 minutes quickly before the start of the show because everything just got completely thrown off because of that lockdown and, you know, WrestleMania being at the Performance Center. And still, Tommy, we talked about this. I still can't go back and watch that WrestleMania you know, I still like, you know, it's kind of like, it. it's like a cloud over my head, you know? It's like that fear of where we were at that time and would we ever have these moments? That's why, you know, even again on Saturday, we're in front of 52,000 fans. It's such a gift to have that because we thought that was completely taken away from us. This is a redo for Rhea. Now she can have that match with Charlotte and have it at, WrestleMania and it's going to be one of the, to me, one of the main events, one of the two nights at WrestleMania in LA. It's very, it's very, very rare, Tommy, that you have an opportunity pre- that presents itself, and then for whatever reason that opportunity is taken away, and then you have the chance to have that opportunity again. That's exactly what's happening for Rhea. Because think about it with Drew. Drew has never had that opportunity given to him. You know, Drew won the Rumble. He has a match with Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, and then that match for him, him capturing that championship, is done at the Performance Center, in front in front of no fans. And Drew is as great as he is, has never been able to capture that moment. You know, I mean, think about it. That was on. That was taped. So he was actually watching that match with him and Brock Lesnar at home. You know, he's sitting on his couch watching that match like everybody else was in the world. And he's never been able to have that opportunity again. This is a gift for Rhea because she's got that opportunity once again at WrestleMania 39.
3: Redemption. Uh, That's a big story. And even though she's a heel and Charlotte's a face, they also may flip-flop it. Um, Because unfortunately, Charlotte gets a lot of hate because people hate on greatness. Yeah. The best why I loved her promo. And Rhea, who is a heel, was very, very real in her promo. And you cannot knock Rhea's um, performance that she had in the Royal Rumble. Uh, and, And they gave her even more credibility with the announcer saying she's one of three people to ever do this, to come in at number one and win it all. And that was a big, big thing. And it's going to be a redemption story. There's also a part, if you remember, uh, where people are like, you remind us too much of Charlotte when you were in NXT. That is so long gone removed. But things like that do happen. Trust me, I I can tell you stories. Well, this person looks too much like this. What do we need them to, to hire them? Let alone if you're already in the system. I had to tell that to Corey Graves. Corey Graves, you look too much like CM Punk with all the tattoos and the dark hair. Change your look. He shaved his head and he had the tattoos and like he looks like Randy Orton. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. He'll tell you the story once we have him. And like, I'm happy it worked out for him. But honestly, why do we need somebody who looks like somebody else? It's a thing. So, but her story is all about redemption. And for Charlotte, is to prove while she is still the greatest.
0: This is Adam Shine, host of the Adam Shine Podcast. Here to tell you, you can listen to my podcast all year round. I'll give you my NFL picks against the spread, give you fantasy advice all season long while being joined by the best guests in all of sports. He's Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers.
3: This is what I expect. You know, I expect to play well every
0: year. We release episodes of the Adam Shine Podcast every week. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast or listen on the SXM app, including with most subscriptions. The Adam Shine Podcast.
2: Let's talk to the man, Nikita Koloff. Sir, how are you this morning? Hey, guys, I'm doing great. Hey,
0: great to be back with. I'm just going to call you guys the posse. How about that?
3: Appreciate it.
2: (laughs) I like that. Thank you. Your professional career was less than a decade, correct? It was about eight or nine years. Did Did you imagine that here we are in 2023 and people are, still going in lines to, to get your autograph and to meet you, you know, talk shows like this are still booking you to be a guest for something that you did in such a short period of time in your life decades ago. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. So, hey, you know, that's a great question. Uh, Lex Luger and I were together. Uh, he and I spent a lot of time together. And of course I said, we, we, we do camps, etc. cetera, together, but we were talking about, we've talked about that recently as as I have with others with, with uh, legendary names like Magnum TA and and other guys who, you know, Magnum's career was, was shortened. But I, I I honestly, I sometimes have to feel like I just need to pinch myself, like in all seriousness, to your point, here we are, I'm I'm almost 30 years removed from the ring. And the fact that somebody, as you said, would stand in line and want to meet me or want to get my autograph or take a picture with me, The best one word I could summarize that into would be surreal. I mean, no, I had no idea when I walked away that all these years later, I'd still have the privilege and the opportunity coming to Baltimore. Hey, one of my favorite towns, by the way, ever to wrestle in was the Baltimore Arena, the Inner Harbor, and Sabatinos, and Hey, and, and by the way, I heard about this legendary uh, uh, Sam's Pizza and Subs. I hope they bring you a, a sampling just by for the for the records. Uh, you need anyway, to get their chicken no parm. Idea. Their
2: chicken parm is phenomenal. Just so you uh, know,
0: well, hey, I, on your recommendation, I hope <laughs> to have man. some. But uh, and
3: anything go, no, Jimmy I'm Seafood, Jimmy Did Seafood what? in Baltimore is the best. It's the new mecca for a professional wrestler for the boys to go there uh, after. Jimmy Seafood is amazing. He always takes care of everybody.
0: Well, it was well, and of course, back in our days, Sabatino's down in Little Italy was the, yep. was the place was the place to you know to, to frequent it, and we did every time we were in Baltimore. But anyway, so no, I, I'm just blown away by by all the amazing fans who continue to come out and 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 support Nikita Koloff, especially without, as you said, how short my career was.
3: Well, it's what I've experienced, and you know, when you're you're in it and you're in the grind, you don't realize the impact you have on others. Uh, as you know, when you're the villain, it's one thing, but when you're also the beloved baby face, it's another and your body of work, you know, stood out so much because you were so special. And then it like, it tells people, Hey man, I watched you when, and, and I've gotten this, I watched you when my parents were getting a divorce. I watched you when someone passed away and like, it, it's kind of, you were doing the work you're doing now, inspiring others, but you didn't realize it yet. Part of your your calling to the world, which is a beautiful thing.
0: No, Tommy, it's a great point because I have, if I've had one fan say it or or one individual say it, I've had countless individuals say to that point. Um, man, I got into weightlifting because you. Man, your physique, your body, you know, I got into weightlifting because you, Nikita Koloff, or I've had quite a number of guys I got into professional wrestling because of you and and you inspired me you you gave me that desire to want to do that or so yeah it was a shorter career than many but but apparently um, uh, you used the word I think impactful it was apparently pretty impactful or pretty impacting and, and uh, it, which is just again just what just kind of blows my mind.
3: Now, I'm going to go straight wrestling here. Uh, two questions for you. Number one, we all wanted to see it. It never happened. You in the WWE. Was there a reason? They always had fantasy matchups. Me and Dave always would talk about. It. They wanted to see Flair Hogan in their primer. But you were the other guy, especially when you were the villain. You know, Hulkamania versus, you know, Nikita Koloff, the Russian Nightmare. Uh, was it just because you were committed to the NWA and you were just in that run or... Was there ever any negotiations?
0: So, yeah, another great question. The only encounter really I had with uh, Mr. Vince McMahon was in a gym in Las Vegas while we were going head to head competition one night there in, in, in Vegas. Uh, the only other time was at Road Warrior Hawks funeral. I had the opportunity to talk to Mr. McMahon. And, and uh, I joke and say, you know, back in the days of the old voicemail, you know, we actually had a machine with the red light blinking <laughs> when you walked in and you're like, oh, I got a message. Well, Apparently, either either it got erased or I never got one. But so all that to say, no, I never, I never reached out to, to WWF. Uh, to my knowledge, they never really approached me or reached out to me. Um, and part of the reason, Tommy, is is when I broke into the business. Looking back at my career, Jim Crockett Jr. gave me the break of a lifetime. I mean, for those who don't know my story, um, you know, go go get go get the my book, or Ring of Redemption. And, and you'll read the whole story how how I had a five-minute phone call with Mr. Crockett prior to walking into his office the day he said to be there. No cell phones, no selfies, no pictures, no 8 by 10s just a conversation. He took a look at me, introduced me to Ivan Koloff and Don Cronotto, the World Tag Team Champions. Nikita Koloff's born in the hallways of Charlotte that day. And then we finish interviews, and they said, "Be in Raleigh, North Carolina tomorrow night. You're going to wrestle on television, uh, having never been in a ring." And so, a pretty, pretty unique story, uh, to say the least. And, and then the meteoric career, and 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 so my loyalty was to the NWA. I, I like to say loyal, loyal for life uh, for the NWA. Looking back, Tommy, could I have uh, negotiated even a bigger contract with NWA? Yeah, I, there's no question in my mind, I could have probably double, quadrupled uh, uh, the contract for what Crockett and I had agreed to had I used that as a bargaining leverage. But again, no interest in really doing that. I, I was grateful to Jim Crockett, thankful and loyal to that organization. And, and therefore, I, I didn't make nearly as much money as some of the other guys. But by all means, uh, it seems like I'm still making money and very thankful.
2: When it comes to pro wrestling, it's more about the moments than the actual matches. Uh, One of the most unforgettable moments for you was going back to 1986, October 24th, 1986 in Charlotte, North Carolina with Dusty. You know, after the accident of Magnum TA and Dusty needed a tag team partner and he chose you. Uh, Talk about that moment for you and talk about the confidence that uh, Dusty Rhodes had in you.
0: Yeah, thank you. There's there's a, a, a handful of things when I talk to the fans that that they will bring up or or frequently post on social media. Right? Uh, I mean, probably the most often commented thing is is the sickle on David Crockett. Right? That's <laughs> that probably gets the most conversation. Uh, the best of seven series against Magnum, TA. You know how, how pivotal was that for for my career and you know, war games. And so there's a hand, you know, the first ever great American bash against the nature boy, Ric Flair. But certainly that turn that night is still a conversation among the fans as they talk about In fact, I just literally saw somebody post it today. They said, wow, did the pop in the arena that night? Oh my gosh. In fact, I I, uh, verified this with Tony Schiavone. I'd always heard, you know, here's a guy, him Jim Ross, Jr., and so many other amazing announcers that have uh, sat by and 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 good uh, commentary on many, many, many great matches, right? And and so I, I was uh, on his show to verify, and I wanted to verify this. I said, Tony, I'd always heard somebody asked you in all the matches you've ever done comment commentary on what what got the biggest pop. And without hesitation, he immediately said the night Nikita Koloff turned babyface, that night in the Charlotte Coliseum. And and so even when I go back and I I look at the the footage and listen to the to the uh, crowd's response, it's it's unbelievable. And to be in that moment, Tommy, you made reference to it. Sometimes when you're in it, you, you don't realize how big a moment it is. Uh, until you have the opportunity to reflect or look back, right? And that's one of those moments. I look back now and I'm like, wow. One, the fact that I was going to have the opportunity to be a partner with the legendary American dream, Death Rose, the Tower of Power, if you will. Yeah, right? I mean, to have that career uh, moment with him and then become really the best of friends, travel exclusively together for the next couple of years up and down the roads in his red Mercedes. And, and you know, just the memories of that. And, and then the reaction, how we were able to turn the people who only a month earlier, uh, I mean, were throwing stuff at me, cussing me out, letting me know I was number one in their heart, and <laughs> so to speak. Uh, and then to see them flip on a dime And guys in the audience, literally, I remember that night, took their shirts off and they're doing the most (laughs) muscular thing that I would do, you know? And just, wow, what a moment. What a moment to reflect on.
3: Uh, For me, Dusty Rhodes changed my life, my trajectory. Uh, I saw him wrestle live and, and on the ride home, I turned to my dad. I was 10 years old and said, I have to do this for a living. When you talk about moments, it's beautiful in its simplicity and why I say wrestling is the greatest art form. We didn't know who it was. And here comes dusty. And when you're, I'm getting goosebumps even describing it because I remember as a young kid, when you walked past dusty and that you stepped over that little guardrail and dusty put his hand on your shoulder, it was like, what am I, it was divine intervention for wrestling fans. And it was like, what are we seeing nowadays? They'd speculate, Oh, you're going to turn on dusty all this stuff but it was just so beautiful. And and I've had conversations with Dusty about it where nobody knew it was going to happen. And then you just walked into the other dressing room and like, let's go. And it was just like this beautiful moment captured, handheld camera through the masses of people. Here comes the savior. And like, again, like I said, for a lot that you do in your life, there's moments like that where it's like, even though it's, you know, scripted and all that stuff, it's like, wow, this is beautiful and what we're seeing. And it changed people's lives. Like you said, it changed people's perception of you in an instant. And then again, you have your own calling where you can make people have a different opinion about life. So that's why I love professional wrestling and the art that you've done.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, the last person ever, right. Like everybody had their ideas who the mystery partner might be, but you know, it was probably the if if they had created a list, I probably would have been at the bottom, at the absolute last guy they would have thought would have come to the rescue of, of of the of the American dream, right? And so, yeah, to to capture that moment and for the fans to have that experience, like yourself, Tommy, to have that experience over and over and over again, uh, I have I have heard just people just you know comment uh, you know about about that night, and it, it's it's amazing.
2: Um, you start your career in 1984. Like you said, they already told you you're gonna have your first television match before you actually stepped into a ring. When did you feel comfortable with being a pro wrestler? Because I'm sure it had to take time because you didn't know, and you're still learning the ropes. When when did you finally say, "All right, I know what I'm doing"? It finally kicked in for you.
0: Yeah, learning the ropes—no pun intended. There, right? So, uh, <laughs> well, and 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 so. So I, I make it to Raleigh at night. It's a sold out, a sold out arena. And and of course, uh, no, no pressure, uh, you know, <laughs> the anticipation of going to the ring. Fortunately for me, it was only about an 11 second match. You uh, know, they kept it short to my benefit. And then for the next couple three months, Don Karnoto, Ivan Koloff, who get me- so much of the credit for, for the success of my career, as many, as much as others along the way. I mean, Dusty Rick and Ricky Steamboat and, and, and Dory Funk Jr. And, and others that I had the privilege of stepping in the ring with, um, we, we would get to the arenas two, three months early and and they would bump and thump all over the ring and teach me the mechanics of wrestling. I'd have a very short single match that night. They'd have a world tag match. I'd sit in their corner. Ivan would sit in my corner. And then every night, and Tommy, you know this, the, 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 the business is much different today than it was then essentially where you could wrestle just about every single night we drive home and we talk about something known as the psychology of wrestling and uh because you know tommy you mentioned the word scripted well the only thing scripted in our day was an outcome and 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 the rest of it for the most part was spontaneous improv i mean we were even in separate separate dressing rooms many nights in high school gyms and and are, uh, armories and arenas and, and never had a conversation with our opponent until we stepped in the ring. That was not uncommon. And, and so we would go in and, and tell a story. That was the art of wrestling was the ability to go in and tell a story, knowing the outcome, but how, how were you going to get there? And spontaneously doing that in the ring to draw you, the fan, into the story uh, on each and every given night. And it wasn't the same story every night many times. It it could be a different, an absolute different match and a different story every single night. And so it was probably, I I don't know, I want to say, you know, maybe six months uh, into it, although I have to say 13 months fast forward from that debut in Raleigh, I'm wrestling the world heavyweight champion, Ric Flair, the nature boy for the world heavyweight title, in just (laughs) 13 months. And so I don't know that I was comfortable that night, to be honest with you. Uh, but over time, I became more confident and more comfortable uh, in perfecting my craft.
2: And that's in and that's at the Great American Bash with a stadium full of people. So 13 months after your debut, you're wrestling Ric Flair in the main event for the NW World MMA Championship in front of a stadium of people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Twenty five, thirty, thirty-five thousand. I mean, the numbers are kind of all of them, but a lot of people. He flies in on the helicopter. Yeah, I'm all already in the yeah, it was, <laughs> it was it was it was a, it was crazy.
2: All right. So in that time of your career, you know, you're the NWA TV champion, the United States champion, you're a tag team champion, six man champ six man tag team champion. Uh, you had that match with Rick Flair. Was there ever any talk about you becoming the NWA world heavyweight champion.
0: So yes. Um, And and so some, some know, again, some don't, that's where you You just need to go get, get the book, you know, so I, I walked away uh, as a main event wrestler. I had a wife, Mandy, who had been diagnosed with cancer at age 24. And, and she battled that went into remission, but then it came back full force. And when it came back full force, I notified them, went up to the ivory tower in Atlanta and said, look, I've got to take a, I got to take a sabbatical. I've, I've got to take a hiatus here and go, go take, she's a priority. She's my wife's a priority. Got to go take care of her. And, uh, and, and I don't know that they were very fond of that decision but while at the same time, it's what I felt was the right thing to do. And she eventually passed away at the age of 26. And, and I want to say as clear as I can calculate and remember at this point, Rick has the book and he's the world champion invites me down to his big house. We're sitting out by the pool, having lunch, just uh, it. what couldn't even have been a week or two or three past her funeral. And he offers me the world title. And, and, you know, I, 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 I said, well, I, I, Rick, I'll give that some thought. We come back together a couple weeks later. He, he offers it a second time. And, you know, I put some parameters on it that I knew that they probably wouldn't accept. And so Again, I'm kind of in a rare error air, rare air in terms of how many guys uh, legitimately turned down the World Heavyweight title. So I could say I legitimately turned down the World Heavyweight title, not once but twice, with no regrets, by the way. Looking back, yeah, would it have been fun to have it? Would it have been fun to have that match at WrestleMania with Hulk Hogan? Yeah, absolutely, it would have been. We probably would have did sellout business, might have did record numbers. I, I don't know. Uh, would have been fun to have that world title? Yeah, it would have been, but but no regrets. I, I, I live life with with, with no reg- regrets regarding that.
2: Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream the podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Foundation channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Open Trial to start your free trial today.
1: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh.